Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me, fellow contributor and all-around nice guy, Mr. Akshas Dovadula. Akshas, man, how's it going? You know, Robert, I've never been more happy to be wrong about a prediction <laughs> before, I'd say ever. I mean, yeah. it's it's great. I I'm excited. Um, you know, life is good, and I got to spend my Sunday night with friends watching a very uncompetitive game, which is exactly what I wanted to see. There you go. Any Cowboys fans in the in the mix there? Or did you? No, you I think I've luckily convinced them to not be around me. So <laughs> if if they exist, I think I've scared them away. So yeah. no one to to laugh at, unfortunately. Yeah, I. I always prefer that method, you know, not watching around people who are fans of the other team um, because there's only, it can really only go badly in that situation, right? Because um, either you're going to get overly cocky and start getting mean about it or the other thing or the opposite is going to happen, right? This <laughs> is like there's just no good way um, that it, that it can go. So it's just it's just preferred, you know, just ignore that kind of situation um but yeah obviously um all good things happening uh in 49er land right now 49ers are 5-0 and uh one of two undefeated teams left in the nfl along with the fellow 5-0 and philadelphia eagles um after they pretty much embarrassed the dallas cowboys on national television 42 to 10 um, and I gotta say, this is a really bizarre statement that I'm about to make, but I think it, it feels right. The score feels lighter than it, than it probably could have been right. It doesn't even seem to like they won by 32 and it, to me, it doesn't really indicate like how much of a dominant performance this was from the 49ers. Um, I, I you know, I, looking back and thinking about it, I, I can think of at least two scores that they, that they kind of left out there. Um, you know, a couple of other opportunities that they had to, to, to score touchdowns in that game, or at least get field goals. Um, I, I think the Cowboys are really, um, fortunate that, that Kyle Shanahan decided to take his foot off the gas. Cause he's usually pretty much like, I'm not taking my starters out. There's nothing you can do to make me take my starters out kind of guy. And he did with like minute time left in the third quarter, which was how crazy this game was. Um, so uh, it's wild um, that we spent the entire preview pod talking about, well, you know, this is a pretty good Dallas team and this is going to be any, a harder game than, than, than people expect it to be. And then it turns out to be the 49ers biggest win of the season so far in multiple ways. Um, I don't know. It was, it was a lot of fun to, to kind of watch this game and, and just enjoy it. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I felt, I, I, this is weird to say because they scored a touchdown on the first drive and they didn't score another touchdown until early in the second quarter. So it was almost a full quarter until they scored again. And I was still like, I don't, I'm not concerned about this at all. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think when they so Fred Warner said when the offense scored that first touchdown, he was like, OK, we're winning this game. And when. <laughs> The like ease in which they scored that touchdown, I would have to argue is actually very similar for me as well as a fan. Anyhow, I think that was first two drives they scored and they stopped the Cowboys. And I was like, okay, like 
this is a game that the Niners are going to lose only if they like beat themselves. Dallas is right. not going to legitimately pose any challenges here. And I mean, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think we were talking about this. As crazy as this sounds, the score I don't think is indicative of how they played, but I would equally also say, I don't think this was the Niners a game. I think it was a really good game. <laughs> I thought they played a complete game. Like, don't get me wrong, but I think like, Again, 42 points on offense. I really think they left a lot on the table. Like their rushing offense was not very good. And we'll get into this a little more, but it didn't really matter because like everything works so well for this team. But, you know, I'm not saying that they could have, but I think if things were clicking just a little better, maybe we would have another 70 spot in the NFL ledger this um and the Niners actually playing the fourth quarter. Yeah, right. <laughs> they were just like, here's Sam Darnold. He's going to yeah. just hand the ball off to Jordan Mason. For now. It's just, yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Um, yeah, they had four punts, uh, which uh, ties their season high. They also punted the ball four times against the Rams. Um, they only punted once last week against Arizona. And the fumble um, on the goal line, basically, from from McCaffrey, which is not good. Um, And other than that, every other drive, save for the last one where they went out on downs for some, like they went for it on fourth down with the game basically over. Um, And they scored touchdowns on every other drive, including three straight drives in in the third quarter and then immediately at the start of the fourth quarter. It's just, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's very, very easy to say. If you look at a couple of those drives, um, the fumble, obviously they were pretty much well on their way to score there. I think they almost certainly score um, that touchdown. Now, I think there's a, probably a case to be made that that touchdown got canceled out by um, the next one got canceled out by the, by the, by the fact that the fumble because they fumbled and then Dallas immediately got the ball back and had to punt and then the 49ers scored again. So it wasn't like they, like they didn't get the touchdown eventually, but it was definitely something uh, that impacted that, that game a little bit. And, you know, if a couple of those punts turn into to longer drives and they end up scoring there. They probably get a little bit more, but I think you're right. Um, in a lot of ways, there's more meat on the bones and, uh, and there's certainly, that's certainly something to pay attention to over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I mean, you noted right off the bat the the first quarter, Dallas ran three plays for one yard, three plays for one yard, one play for four yards. That was the fumble drive, and then three plays for two yards in the first in their first four drives before scoring a touchdown on drive number five, um, and then and then proceeded to run three plays for eight yards at the end of the at the end of the the second quarter. Um, and then punted and then got the ball back with under a minute left to play, ran two plays for negative one yards and the end of half. That was really a bizarre situation, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things. Like I said, what did I say? 28, 13. And we were like, well, that, just, that feels a little bit crazy. And the fact that it ended up being up, <laughs> the Cowboys didn't even get to 13 uh, and never really looked much like sniffing 13. And the fact that the 49ers scored 42 isn't just kind of insane. I mean, I think, so what did I predict? 24-21 or 21-17 Cowboys win. Yeah, something like that. So, so what's it called? Wrong on, like, every count. But I think I said, <laughs> like, 
they scored more than I thought they'd score the entire game by like the middle of the second quarter. And right. I think <laughs> it was um it was almost terrifying how easy it was against what is like I think it's easy and a little lazy and on the part of the national media to like kind of run with the narrative they're running with, which is just that, you know, the Cowboys actually aren't that good and the 49ers kind of just exposed them. I think yeah. part of that is probably true. Like their absurd margin of victory is a byproduct of playing some offenses that are just like really not very good and actively like working against their own play. But I would equally argue that I think, you know, the Niners, like they played exceptionally well against a very good defense. They kind of like, there's like more credit than I think is being given because it's very easy to kind of say in these kind of blowouts, yeah, the other guys were atrocious. They were not good at all. And that's how it worked. I think the Niners played a good defense that had like players making, trying to make plays, but they were just like a little better everywhere, every play. And that adds up a Mm -hmm. lot over time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I agree with that for sure. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, of numbers that of course can, can stick out um to you to 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 anybody who's paying attention um you just throw out a couple of of key ones we talked about you know the brock purdy who has been pretty uh straightforward about the fact that he thought his worst game um as a professional was against dallas last year in the playoffs made up for that with the 17 of 24 uh 252 four touchdowns uh, and one sack for two yards, a quarterback rating of 144.4. So that ain't too bad. Um, I mean, I, I mean, it's a little embarrassing that he threw that many incompletions, I got to say, but, you know, it's not so bad. Uh, <laughs> the run game, as you said, was a little kind of up and down. Christian McCaffrey was not super efficient um, necessarily, but he didn't. But again, he was out of the game like with a couple minutes left to go in the third quarter. Um, he did score a touchdown to extend his uh, touchdown streak, which was good. Um, and then they 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 spread the ball around uh, for for the receivers. Uh, two catches for McCaffrey, 27 yards. Three for Debo Samuel, 55 yards, including a 42 long. Uh, three catches, 67 yards. Three touchdowns for George Kittle, uh, including just just an absolute gem of a of a flea flicker play that they might have borrowed from somewhere else. Just saying. Uh, four catches, Brandon Ayuk, 58 yards. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk got in on the uh, the parade, four for 26 and a touchdown. Juwan Jennings, one for 19. Ray Ray McLeod, one for one. That was from Sam Darnold, so that didn't really work out so much. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good to see, and it's really – this is the first time I think that we've seen, and it hasn't been, like, one person, like, controlling the entire game i mean yeah george kittle scored three touchdowns but outside of that he didn't have any other catches um and mccaffrey wasn't at his a game and they were able to to utilize this like dearth of weapons that they have which i thought was really cool because it's really the first time that we've seen that because every other game pretty much so far it's been like well everyone else is kind of Eh, they're doing okay, they're fine, and then McCaffrey's doing having a massive game, or Ayuk is having a massive game, or or Debo's having a massive game, and this is the first time we've seen it nice and spread out, um, which has just got to be terrifying <laughs> from the perspective of uh, opposing defenses who are like, well, okay, but how? Wh- what do we do with this? From my perspective, it's perfectly great. I'm in, very much in favor of this particular plan, but I thought that was cool that they 
the the Cowboys were talking about like we're they really were gonna like lock in on stopping Christian McCaffrey, and the 49ers were like, all right, well, feel free. Uh, we have other guys who can also do things, and they're gonna they're gonna beat you if if McCaffrey is not allowed to. I agree. I mean, the crazy thing is, with the exception of McCaffrey, who I think was very clearly the focal point of the Dallas defense, and like this is what we're saying when, like I mentioned that I think Dallas like like obviously is a good team and that their play wasn't so atrocious to where you can be like, okay, like the Niners just played a team that was over their head and like, this is what they should have done. Like Dallas did what they wanted to do. McCaffrey had objectively like probably his worst game as a 49er other than his game against Dallas in the playoffs last year. I mean, the one fumble 2.7 yards per carry, not a huge factor in the passing game. Of course, all of this is with the huge caveat that the like starters played 45 minutes of a football game. So even if you <laughs> prorate it out, like assume in another quarter's worth of like stats, it's still not looking like a very good game. But I think it felt like even though they shared the ball around, this felt like the first time that you could say everyone was actually humming. Where yeah. it like Brandon Ayuk only got his like three catches, but he um he was playing well enough to where it was like okay, like he could have maybe gotten seven or eight, like he was getting open. Debo kind of same thing. Kittle like same thing. It became it was almost the opposite thing from where someone is so good and everyone else is kind of like letting them take the moment. It was like except for McCaffrey, all these passing weapons, like all of them are winning their matchups, and it's just get the ball to whoever's open. So. I agree. It's a great like feeling to have. And it's important to have because as we get further into the season and then more importantly, not like looking too far ahead, but potentially the playoffs, this is what's going to happen, right? The way to beat the 49ers mm-hmm. is going to have to be key in on the running game, make McCaffrey a non-factor, and then hopefully have enough defensive weapons to hold those offensive weapons. And if the Niners offense isn't able to distribute accordingly then it doesn't work but that's not been the issue for them so far and it doesn't look like it'll ever be the issue well here's open um so uh good good news on the injury front coming out of the game for the most part uh there was some concern that aaron banks had uh, uh done something to his uh pectoral muscle um i don't remember which side it was i don't remember if you know but it turns out that after they were able to look at it post game that it was just a shoulder thing um kind of a a a light issue they're expecting it to be day to day so i think the expectation would be that with a little rest he'll be good to go which is good news heading into um what is a kind of short ish week heading into cleveland right because they played sunday night and they have a early uh a a, a one o'clock eastern time start to the game on sunday in cleveland so it's 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 good that he'll be able to be up and, and ready to go. Um, Elijah Mitchell also remains day to day with his knee injury. Um, although, gosh, man, Jordan Mason was just like running with his hair on fire on on Sunday. So as we were talking about before, it seems really um, he, he's I don't think Elijah Mitchell is going to walk back in and be like, all right, well, you're the you're running back two again um, with the way that Jordan Mason has played with given the opportunity, especially with the way he was running on Sunday. So um, pretty good news on the injury front. Um, 
nothing major and you know losing Aaron Banks would have been a a, a a real problem I think especially heading into this this stretch going into the bye week so hopefully he'll be good to go um this week uh and then the only other thing is that Randy Gregory has officially joined the team and he is uh wearing Trey Lance's old jersey number so there you go there there were some jokes about that out there in the, the Twitter sphere um but we don't have to say what they are because they're not nice and we're 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 nice people here. <clears throat> <laughs> I mean, the Randy, I think that's the huge thing here. Like, obviously, it is a big deal that Banks is healthy. And that's a huge relief because the one thing that can derail this train right now is injuries. And you don't want them to happen. You hope to avoid them as much as you can. The Niners have terrible luck. But their fingers are crossed right now for the first time ever, which is a, which is a good place to be. But Gregory, I mean, the Niners did all this with really just three press rushers because Drake Jackson and Cleland Farrell are just not getting it done at that other spot. And they're still like getting pressure constantly. But Gregory could actually be the like game changer to an offense that is to a defense that has already played so well and put together by far its best, like best game of the season way better than the Steelers game, I'd say, given like the quality of offense they were facing and kind of just how like the points came across and how they were able to completely force more turnovers and really shut down whatever Dallas wanted to do. He can, he's like a real game changer, even if he's like half as good as he was when he got his contract, even that can completely lift this defense to another level. Yeah, coming off a four-sack performance against the Cowboys. Um, and uh, so one from Fred Warner, one from Drake Greenlaw, a half a sack each for Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. I thought that was a little generous to Eric Armstead, by the way, because it felt like Bosa had him before Armstead got there. But nonetheless, and then another one, another one from Kevin Givens, which, gosh, I thought that was the most impressive of all the sacks in the entire game. Like, that guy moved... That was a, that was a swift move by uh, by Kevin Givens from the interior. Um, I, th- I thought he played really well on on Sunday and had that like just absolutely massively impressive fumble recovery on the sideline too. Um, and then they had a, an additional one, two, three, four, five, um, nine quarterback hits on top of the four sacks. So they were really uh, rocking um, Dak back there, who was uh, just looked fairly rattled uh, and further and further as the game went on uh, without a doubt. Um, all right. Uh, actually, before we get into um, this uh, into the, the, the up and down, I, I saw something on the internets today uh, this afternoon that I thought was kind of cool. And I don't know if you saw it. Um, and I wanted to just point it out to our 49er friends, 49er fan friends out in the world. Um, listeners of the podcast and and such. Uh, so Kurt Benkert, who was the um, who was with the 49ers for a short period of time, um, <clears throat> was uh, a practice squad guy, I think. Uh, he's a quarterback, um, and he posted something on the Twitters, the X, the whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a pretty long uh, thing, so I'm not going to read it all, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, about some about his time with the 49ers, and he has some really cool things to say. Uh, the question is, what stuck out the most to him uh, about Shanahan? Um, and he just has like lots of cool things about 
how Shanahan is is uh, like a very kind of open guy and he he calls him a learner and he said he's willing to accept that he doesn't have all the answers, which just kind of seems very interesting because that kind of goes against the public persona that people seem to think with Kyle Shanahan that they think he's like this know-it-all guy. But um, Ben Kurt, who was around the team for a good deal of time, said, you know, he takes in all opinions Um that the that play installation throughout the week is a lot of a lot of him, but a lot of other people. And as long as you can explain to him why you think you want to include this play or that play in the playbook, that he'll listen. Um, he just wants to know why he's like this big, like, tell me why you think it should be here and why you think it's going to work. Um, and then he's just a, a, that there's this like difference between Kyle Shanahan, the guy and coach Shanahan, the, the, the coach. And he manages to flip back and forth and knows when to do that. It's it's just kind of cool. Go check it out. Um, Kurt Ben Kurt, um, at Kurt Ben Kurt K U R T B E N K E R T. That's a lot of K's and T's and such. Um, but I thought it was really cool, um, for him to say that. And obviously, in light of the situation and the the notoriety that the team is getting, um, I just wanted to point that out. I, I, actually, I don't know if you saw that out there in the world, but it was it was pretty cool. I didn't, but I think. It's not surprising to me that some of what he's saying is true. I mean, I think you can't have as many like of your assistants have success across the league and just be prepared to like lead their teams if you're not somewhat collaborative. Like, I just don't think those two work in sync. And I think, you know, Mike McDaniel's success in Miami is a large part of McDaniel's genius, but you know, there were a lot of his plays and his ideas that the Niners were using, you know, Sean McGrave and they were back in Washington. I, this kind of like all these like smart guys in football coming out of the Shanahan tree, it seems like it fits kind of what he's doing. Now, there's like a very select few people who I think crafted a narrative about Shanahan because it best suited kind of the way they wanted to discuss him and the team and like, kind of explain facts the way that fit them best fit their narrative best. And I think the only way to do that was to be like Kyle Shanahan, super controlling and he doesn't let players play because, and he doesn't let people like give ideas and he's stuck in his ways and he thinks he's the best because that's the only way you can then explain maybe why Trey Lance wasn't starting or why the Niners moved off Lance or why, you know, they wouldn't go for it on some fourth downs. Like you can only make those arguments if you detract from him in a particular way. And I think, you know, narratives are never without are crafted without really like hearing from people who are actually there. You got to take him with a big pinch of salt. So I think it's cool. It's neat always to get kind of behind the scenes of, of the team and how they are and what they do. And coach Shanahan is a huge part of that. Yeah. 100 percent. Yeah, I just uh, I thought that was really cool. And I thought that was worth uh, with pointing out here before we get in to the game itself. But um, with that, let's go ahead and uh, dive into our one up, one down section. So, Akshaz, I'll send it to you. This is going to be a fun one because this is one of those games where it's just like you're just like everything's good. So we'll see if that's the case. So we'll start with you with your up. My up. So there are a trillion things to say. But I'm going to highlight who I think should be the defensive player of the year in Fred Warner. I've been thinking about this more, actually, when 
just generally about Warner and his impact on the 49ers, but I think this was like the, do you want to see what I can do to a team? Here you go. Kind of game. So Fred Warner, I think, is the most important defensive player on the 49ers roster, and that includes Nick Bosa. I think Nick Bosa is incredibly talented. He's at the very worst, the third best edge rusher in the NFL. Likely, I mean, it's kind of crazy to say right now, but he's on a like Hall of Fame trajectory as it stands. But I think Warner is is the engine that makes everything go for the 49ers defense because he is the best tackler, probably the best coverage defender, the best like pursuit player, the best blitzer. He's the best like almost everything on this football team. And his skill set allows the Niners to play. They did this a lot with D'Amico Ryans, and Steve Wilkes, I think, is starting to realize just how good Warner can be. He can, like, take the entire middle of the field away from any offense. And he does this. If you look at – I don't remember who publishes them, but there are these, like, heat zone maps of where quarterbacks throw the ball. I think it's NFL Next Gen Stats that, like, published this after the game. And any team that plays the 49er, all the throws are at the line of scrimmage in the middle or they're just to the outside. Nothing gets thrown in the middle of the field, which is unheard of. This is like the bread and butter for almost every NFL offense is you get your seven-yard slant, your five-yard in, your 10-yard like over, you get your like posts going, you get your crosses. Like This is like where you get separation in the field, but the 49ers just don't deal with it, and that's because 54 erases everything. He can cover slot receivers better than some slot corners. He can run down the field in a sprint for 50 yards, keeping pace with Brandon Cooks, who's one of the fastest receivers in the NFL. Oh, by the way, he can also force a fumble on a perfect peanut punch. He can get a sack on Dak Prescott while simultaneously blowing up the entire Cowboys man-beating concept. He can finish with eight tackles. He can get an interception finally off a deflection when he hustled to the ball, but he probably should have like two or three already because he's always in the right position. I mean, he is he is so good at football. Like, biggest understatement of the year. Fred <laughs> Warner is really, really good at football. And he is, like, the perfect middle linebacker for what the NFL does now on offense. And there's a lot of discussion, I think. People always, like, talk about, like, who's the best this or who's the best that. But I honestly think middle linebacker is one of those positions where it's not a discussion. And there is a huge gap between Fred Warner and I guess like Roquan Smith, who might be the second best middle linebacker in the game right now. He is the engine that makes things go. And there was finally some talk about him being defensive player of the year. When it comes to middle linebackers, I think everyone needs the gaudy like tackle numbers. Mm, That's unfortunately how we kind of vote on these awards. But I think if there's any middle linebacker who deserves to get an award, even if he doesn't finish with like 140 tackles, it's Fred Warner because like he is, he is the reason why the 49ers defense can be missing a cornerback, have like a revolving door around their second cornerback slot spot, still not figure out their slot receiver, have what's it called like one pass rush spot completely not working. And like be as dominant as it is because he plugs so many holes for this team. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm right there. I'm 100% right there with you. Um, and I was I I was kind of saying things to that effect um, with the defensive player of the year thing. And the one thing I keep saying is it ends up being very much like a accountable stat kind of thing. Um, like you said, tackles, sacks, interceptions, that kind of thing. Those are the numbers that jump out to people because they're not a, like watching film of every player, every game. Um, and so it turns into like a, a contest to who can put up the, the gaudiest numbers. And I think that's going to be uh, in Fred Warner's uh, the the opposite. You know, it's going to work against him kind of thing uh, because he his he's he probably should already have three interceptions, but he might only have one or two more this season. Right. He's not going to have high interception numbers. He's not going to have high sack numbers because that's not generally what he does. Um, his tackle numbers are going to be good, but not like great. Um, and part of that is just like playing next to somebody like Dre Greenlaw, who tends to be more of like the the guy who's going to be kind of flying around making those those tackles in, in a lot of cases. So both of their numbers are probably going to be lower in terms of tackles and all that kind of stuff. So it's a real shame um, because it means that people are going to not even like acknowledge the fact that he should be in the conversation. But the good news is, is. Um, they have a lot more primetime games left. And if he continues to show out like this on a national level, like in these circumstances, I think that will really work out in his favor. It reminds me a lot of, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember what year it was when Navarro Bowman should have won the, mm-hmm. the defensive player of the year award and Luke Keekley won it because his, his numbers were flashier. Um, even though <laughs> Bowman was just like, outrageous that season um and that was highway robbery and it was a east coast bias and it was a flashier numbers kind of thing and even though um bowman was a better player uh that season i think there's there's not that many people who would make that argument but again nobody's watching the tape right (laughs) they're just like oh how is he performing like okay great let's give him the award um and some of these things get like pre-anointed um so like the conversation coming into this season has all been, well, Micah Parsons, he's next in line of, as the guy who's going to win the defensive player of the year award. And it's like, okay, well, but no, <laughs> like not that he's not a good player, but also he got totally erased in this and in, in, by, by the, by Kyle Shanahan's scheme. Like they literally just made him a non entity, um, which is something that Shanahan does so well. He's like, okay, that's your best defensive player. Well, guess what? He's going to do nothing because I'm not going to I'm going to just not involve him. And sometimes that works more often than not. It works uh, every once in a while, like a player like TJ Watt or an Aaron Donald or somebody like that will overcome the plan. But uh, it certainly worked in this case. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Fred Warner was just absolutely fantastic um, on Sunday night. Um, did you have anything else to to add to, to that conversation? I'm sorry. I, I mean, no, you're totally right. I think the one thing you mentioned is like the tackle numbers. And part of that is playing with Dre Greenlaw. But part of that is he's so good at coverage. He probably misses out on like three tackles that other middle linebackers get just because they can't like cover a receiver and they have to catch him from behind. Like he's so good at making sure quarterbacks don't look his way. that He just doesn't get like the opportunities to make those tackles. And I think it's almost in that same way when you get a corner that's so good that they might get like two interceptions on the year because they just, the ball's never thrown their way. There's just no chance for them to make a play on it. 
Like you can think about like Revis Island, for example, or Richard Sherman with the Legion of Boom. Like when you get to that level of player, it's insane. It's insanity. He's just, he's so talented. I mean, it's a real treat for him to be on this team because you go from Patrick Willis to Navarro Bowman to then, uh, I wonder who's next, Chris Borland maybe, Ruby Foster <laughs> yeah. maybe, but then Fred yeah. Warner, and I mean, oh boy, he's um, the leap. He, he's special. Yeah. Um, yeah, 100% there with you. Um, so I had definitely had him on my list. There's obviously lots of names that we could we could note here. Uh, Brock Purdy, four touchdowns. George Kittle, three of those touchdowns. Um, the audacity of running that flea flicker play <laughs> after Detroit already did it to Carolina. Um, the funny thing was, is I was actually I had. I'm just, I just turned on the turn on the Detroit Carolina game because obviously it's on down here where I live in Panther country. Um, and I was just like nonchalantly watching it. I just kind of sort of giggled when that play happened on the Detroit game because it's like that is the goofiest thing I've ever seen. And I can't believe the Panthers fell for it. And then literally in the moment as it's happening, I'm like, I just saw that this afternoon. <laughs> uh, and I was like, I wonder if Kyle Shanahan was just casually watching the, the Detroit Lions game and was like, oh, yeah, we got that one. apparently not. Apparently, it's been in the, the, the locker for a while. And they did run it in the NFC Championship game, apparently. Uh, but it had they Christian McCaffrey at quarterback, so it, it didn't work. A, um, I remember <laughs> once he mentioned it, I remembered that they tried to run it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that got blew up big time. Well, it, you can't reverse when the when the team knows that all you can do is run the ball like that just doesn't work. Um, it's not it's not going to happen. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I mean, all on all phases, like just a fantastic game. Um, and the fact that it was nice to see that they finally got some interceptions, the interception numbers. I mean, they were doing OK coming into the game. I think they had five coming into the game, um, which is not horrible. But um, but to, to turn to, to get three interceptions, especially when Dak was like very adamant about the fact that he wasn't going to throw interceptions um, and then for him to throw a third interception against the backup um <laughs> the backups the funny thing was is i was uh i was texting my my dad and then because he we well we're not in the room watching the game but we'll send texts back and forth while we're doing this uh in these late night games um and i was like and i think i said right before he did that i was i was like oh you just here come all the gaudy numbers because he's gonna start throwing against all the backups and then like three seconds later he throws the ball directly to Oren burks and i was like Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> like, Dak, like, imploded inside of his own brain. It was just, you could, like, see him breaking down in the middle of the game. As soon as, like, as soon as he threw that, that, that interception to Deshaun, to Deshaun Gibson, like, the air, the arm punt, I was like, oh, okay, he's, he's falling apart. Um, so that was, that was good to see. Also wanted to, um, give a shout out because this was a three phases game, right? Um, it was, it was working on all three phases. I thought Mitch Wisnowski had a, had a excellent night. Um, he was called upon more than you would like him to see, but, um, he did the work that was called upon him. And then Ronnie Bell, special shout out to Ronnie Bell for, uh, being, uh, he's, he's made a, a, a name for himself, at least amongst 49er fans as that, that gunner and going down there and just, just catching the ball in the air on the punt, which is just fantastic. I think he had two and two uh, punts. I want to say downed inside the five, but really like caught them inside the five. 
Um, and just yeah, just real good work across the across the board. Yeah, special teams was huge. I mean, it's kind of it's a crazy situation where everything's working as well as it did. And I mean, Wisniewski, he you know in his own way did change the game. I think you have some of those punts not go the way you want them to. Touchbacks start at the twenty. Cowboys get some field position. Maybe the defense doesn't have a chance to flex its shoulders a little bit, and you know, we get into more of like a grimy semi-offensive shootout instead of this domination. And Ronnie Bell, what a gamer! I mean, what more can you <laughs> say? He just like he's a good football player, and he does all the little things right. He's like the primary backup for the 49ers wide receivers now. So if anyone is out, he's the one who really like gets the like specific plays for him. I mean, he, so little like sidebar here, but Danny Gray is eligible to return from injured reserve. And I don't know if the 49ers will pull him off it because they don't have a spot for him right now with how well Ronnie Bell's playing. You're not going to cut Ronnie Bell off this team. So He's um yeah. he's played his way onto not only the 53 man roster but like the 46 man active active roster 48 man active roster he's he's played so well. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see. Um, be excited to see him get involved in the offense a little bit more. But I, I, you know, credit to him for being like, all right, well, if the thing you need me to do is to run down the field on punts and and do that, then I'll I'll do it. And he's done. I mean, it wasn't just this. The they've done really effective work at 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 those coffin corner plays on the punts so far this year. And it's when you're a good team, that's something that you have to take, like take advantage of those opportunities. Like, okay, we don't punt that frequently. So we got to use it as a weapon to kind of like say, okay, well fine. If you're going to stop us, you're starting your drive from the two yard line and hopefully you figure it out. Um, so all good stuff there. Um, all right. Well, it, what, what do we got? I mean, are there, are we nitpicking if we do the downs in a game like this? I don't, I don't know. Well, I never allow myself to get too up after 49ers games because you, you invest <laughs> right, too much it. and then <laughs> something something goes wrong in January and you feel uh, silly for all the yeah, yeah. So, so I got a couple. Um, I'm going to talk about the one Cowboys drive that it ended in a touchdown. That was just like, like we are nitpicking, okay? Well, you allow one touchdown in a sixty-minute football game, and you win forty-two to ten. You played really well. Like you're, this is not like a, wow, these guys suck in defense, and this was like an example of it. No, I mean it was just like it was a little like annoying kind of drive the Cowboys put together, and the touchdown itself was kind of annoying because they brought pressure and Turpin just ran past Oliver. Oliver was a little flat-footed. That was not very great. Sorry, I'm kind of I'm trying to get to the drive summary specifically. That way I can <laughs> yeah, better yeah. discuss exactly how it is they um they played. So all right, it's taking me way too long to here we go. <laughs> all right, there we go. All right, finally. Sorry. Um definitely prepared over here. This uh, is good this is good radio <laughs> stuff right here. We're doing well. Yeah, so I mean, three yards, six yards, two yards, five yards, seven yards, three yards, no yards, 20 yards. That was the annoying pass to Ferguson. 
incompletion, six yards, touchdown. Like, there's nothing particularly wrong there, right? That actually sounds like a pretty, like, normal drive that kind of happens with the 20-yard explosive mixed in. But that, I think, is the one thing the 49ers defense is, like, not perfect at. If I had to nitpick, it's that they're actually not a particularly bad defense. I mean, it's okay. They're, like, probably, if not the best, the, like, second-best defense in the NFL. But if you have to say, what are they, like, kind of not great at, it's actually these, like, very long, methodical drives. Mm-hmm. And this change in this game against the Cowboys, they actually had those moments where you get that interception, you get that sack, you kind of reverse momentum. But the drive was a good example of what happens when that doesn't happen, right? Three yards, five yards, four yards. You can't get off on third downs. It's just slowly and slowly chipping away. And then you get a 20-yard play because, you know, you get a tight end matched up in Fred Warner and probably his one, like, not phenomenal play, the tight end, like, beats him a little bit. And then there's just bad leverage all around because of the route and the route combo. So he's able to scamper down the field for a little more. And then the touchdown, you bring pressure, and Oliver isn't able to stay with Turpin. So it happens. It's not the end of the world, but it was, you know, a little a little annoying, I'd say. I think it was a good yeah. example of kind of what can go wrong with this defense at times, which is that they're not really – or not so far. They haven't really been hit by the 45 yards down to field touchdown, like 65-yard one-play strike. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of their whole thing. That's how they're built, to not let that happen. They'll let you get those smaller gains, but you have to be able to make that big play Otherwise, you can dink and duck your way to a touchdown. And this yeah. was the one drive where they weren't able to get that momentum shifter. Yeah, and and it's I mean very similar to the to the one drive that the Steelers put up. Um, it it just it ended up being that sort of like, oh, this is the one drive that's gonna annoy the crap out of all of us. It just came earlier in the game <laughs> than they've been used to because that's normally been the spot where they're like, oh, here they go, end of the first half the other team's going to like dink and dunk it down the field and score a meaningless touchdown. Um, in this particular case, I was actually prepared for that to happen again. Like at the end of, when they got the ball back, um, cause the Niners punted with a minute left, uh, in the, the half, um, after they went three and out, um, which wasn't great. Um, cause they got eight yards on first down and then couldn't get a first down on, on the next two plays. So they punted, um, decent return by, by Deuce Vaughn, uh, Dallas starts at their own 25 and then they did like the weirdest capitulation of all time where they started to pretend like they were going to do something. Um, first pass is a deep incompletion to, to Brandon cooks that that's the one where Fred Warner's basically running with him almost step for step. Um, and if the ball had come, was was thrown better i feel pretty confident that warner could have stepped into it and then green lost sacks prescott when he was trying to flee the pocket and then the cowboys are just like all right fine we give up like it was that was so weird um there were like 30 seconds left to go in the half and they were just like all right well we, we, we don't want any more of this smoke so we're just gonna go sit down if that's okay with you um which is really strange like the game was not like completely out of reach at that point. It was 21-7. You're thinking if, if you can get down the field and at least get a field goal, you're feeling a little better about yourself. 
but that was so weird and i was expecting that to come earlier that's a that's another conversation but I, you're right i mean it, but frankly if if the if all this defense gives up is like one annoying drive a game or even two annoying drives a game i feel pretty confident that that's going to win them a lot of football games this year um so as you say, we are we are getting into like nitpick land. I, w- I was gonna obviously get a little annoyed about the the fact that Christian McCaffrey fumbled, um, <laughs> you know, that close to the goal line. Um, although as I think Chris Collinsworth noted on the on the broadcast um, last week, he scored a touchdown by doing the thing, the sort of land on the guy and roll over, um, so he never hit the ground thing. And this time it it came back to bite him. It wasn't really a big deal as it turned out. Um, Would have been nice to you know get get that extra touchdown but eh, who knows it's it's again we're nitpicking they won they won by 32 points over a team that uh by all accounts is probably still a top what eight team in the league uh i i think there's there's certainly from the 49ers perspective i'm sure they would say you know there's still work that we can do there's still improvements that we can make um and i certain that we can say that they're that that's true um but man what what a what a dominating performance across the board for sure. I mean, yeah, that fumble was annoying. I think hindsight wise, you're like, wow, that kind of sucks. But you'd like McCaffrey to be able to maintain possession no matter what. So that was a little that was a little frustrating for sure. But you know, didn't come to, didn't haunt them so that they can like I don't know do a drill in practice and go from there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, they, that was, hold on if I'm getting my numbers right. That was immediately followed up by a Dallas punt, if I'm not mistaken. And then the 49ers got the ball back and scored uh, in 10 10 seconds. (laughs) So it was fine. (laughs) Uh, As as it turns out, it was okay. Um, So there you go. Um, I don't know. you know that l- l- more of that. That's all I gotta say. More of that, please, from here on out to the rest of uh, to the rest of the season. If you can just keep doing that, um, I, I think the twenty and zero is still in play. That's all I gotta say. It's still it's still I mean, there. When we I'm get to the bye I'm obviously week, kidding, but in a couple <laughs> weeks we'll probably talk about it a little more. But I'm certainly like you look at the schedule, and obviously like you things change so quickly, but. They're like, they have maybe like two games on the schedule right now. Right now, mm-hmm. you can be like, yeah, those are going to be tough. I don't know if they're going to like, like, I can't yeah. like easily say that they'll win it, but like they are, they are probably going to be favorites the rest of the way out, assuming, you know, the team yeah. stays with, healthy. So, yeah, with the exception of maybe the Philadelphia game, which maybe end up being like a, a push kind of situation just because it's on the road and it's a short week and all that jazz. But yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I actually have uh, something coming out on the site here. Hopefully by the time you're hearing this, it will be available, but if not keep checking for it um, about how I would expect them to continue to run the table through the bye week for sure, just because the matchups work out really nicely for them. Um, We'll obviously talk about Cleveland uh, later in the week and then they have, um, excuse me, and then they have the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football. They're also Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Justin Jefferson is going to be gone for for the next four weeks at least. Um, And then the Bengals, who are just the most they're the weirdest team in, in the NFL right now, I think 
by a fairly large margin. Um, but we'll talk about them in more detail. But go and check that out. Um, just make a case for why I think they can continue to run the the table given the 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 teams they have coming up from here until their bye week in week nine. But um, Akshaz, to you for final words, if you like it. If not, I'll go ahead and close it out for us. I mean, we've kind of waxed poetic about this team for the last 40, 50 minutes or so, but there's nothing more to say than, like, that was awesome. And if they <laughs> keep on playing like that, there's just going to be more more awesome games in the future. I mean, I think Matt Barrows said in the mailbag, he was like, you don't know how seasons go, but you got to enjoy it when you can. And like, I think I said this a bunch last year when they were winning every game, it's just like Mm -hmm. go on to the ride. Cause this will be like, this is some stuff that you don't know that you're like seeing history until it's already happened and you don't get to like experience it in the moment. But like they're, um, that's kind of what I'm saying here. They are like, yeah. Brock Purdy has not lost a game. He started and finished. That's insane. <laughs> like, it's that's true. insane. We we like we talk yep. about these games week by week, and we're like, wow, this makes sense. This is how they're playing. Blah blah blah. But like, the dude is undefeated in games he like mm-hmm. plays through. To like and, start and, and, I mean, and then and including the the Dolphins game that he came into and basically was the the full in for the full of it too. So there's that. <laughs> I mean, just like just like enjoy it. I mean, I think you know this is a very different kind of situation than 2019 when they when they had that like Cinderella type start and you were like, oh my god, how could this team be like this now? I mean, I think we all knew the 49ers are going to be good this year. We didn't know how good, but like when legendary things are happening, sometimes it's best to just like sit back and take it in. I like it. Let's keep those legendary things happening. Um, That is my, my suggestion. So from my mouth to the ears of all the 49ers players and coaches and all those things. So, all right. Um, Well, thanks for listening to this episode. This episode of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. As always, um, please continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Mm-hmm.